This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. It's uh, Walter Rigabon. I'll be your host this morning. Uh, subbing in for my usual co-host, uh, Naz Marchese, is, of course, Lou Franceschetti. Lou Franceschetti, uh, former... Washington Capitol, Toronto Maple Leaf, and Buffalo Sabres, and I don't know if there were any other stops in between, but Lou, it's great to have you back. There was a few in the minor <laughs> leagues, but uh, good morning. Good Wally. morning, Lou. It's, it's always a pleasure to have you here, and uh, we've got a really busy show today. Just want to let our listeners know who we're going to be on the line after our first break. We're going to be talking to legendary Hall of Fame defenseman from the New York Islanders, one of the greats of the game ever, Dennis Potfan. Looking forward to talking to him. Uh, middle of the hour, Michael Del Cole is going to be talking to Michael, who's uh, on his way to the New York Islanders prospects camp uh, this week and uh, embarking, uh, hopefully, on a very successful NHL career. And we're certainly looking forward to talking to him and certainly in the afterglow of, his, of the uh, incredible Oshawa General Memorial Cup victory. And at the bottom end of the hour, we've got Sean Clement. Sean Clement, our golf uh, guru, and he's got an amazing announcement this morning. Sean Clement is going to be sharing with us. Uh, certainly, uh, he has popped to the top of the golf instructor world, and we're going to share that news with our listeners. But uh, the big news in, uh, in Toronto land uh, this week, we can never get away from the blue and white, and uh, certainly some interesting developments down on... Uh, down on Bay Street in the ACC, and it was the departure of the much forlorn and criticized Phil Kessel. Number 81, Phil came to us a few years back, uh, supposedly uh, was going to be the savior of the franchise, did some good things here, uh, I guess in the opinion of many, uh, didn't gain popular uh, acceptance in Toronto for whatever reason, and uh, he was, uh, he was dealt this week to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lou, and I know you've got some opinions on it. Uh, uh, your thoughts on the unloading of Phil Kessel? Well, it was just a situation where I think the Leafs will probably regret making this deal because they know that uh, Pittsburgh is in their division and they're going to have to beat them out to make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I think Phil had to had to go. It was just a situation where... Uh, it wouldn't have been fair for him and the organization to bring him back before training camp opened, just with everything that has happened over the last uh, year to two years. My concern, my concern, my my original opinion on the trade was I was, um, I don't know, I, I guess it, it wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about it, and I'll tell you why. I, I've always, and, and you know, I've been, we, we've talked about Phil Kessel, Naz, and I on the show quite a bit over the last couple of years, and. Uh, 
Certainly sensitive to the criticisms, and we, we thought some of the criticisms were a little bit off base, but uh, he's come under severe criticism for various reasons in Toronto, uh, some on ice, some off ice, and we'll, we'll get into the details of some of those. But it just I just got the sense from this trade that he got dealt for what we proverbially call a bag of pucks. Um, Phil Kessel's an all-world talent. I, 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 you know, he was... Many times this year, let's let's forget about what happened after January, after they fired Randy Carlyle, um, because the whole the whole team went in the toilet after that. Um, but prior to that, you know, Phil Kessel's really over the last few years really the only guy down there that was probably worth the price of admission, just based on his talent. I mean, l- let's be fair; he's one of the most talented players in the league. Some people criticize him for being one-dimensional; he's a one-way player. Um, He's not the type of player that you can strap a team to his back. That's just not – it's not his personality. So – and we got rid of him for basically nothing. Um, that, that sort of sits, sits – it just seems they could have got more for him, but I, I guess they didn't, Lou. At the end of the day, I, I, it's going to be hard for, for, for the Maple Leafs to get and return what they gave up. Uh, and I'm not sure whether everybody's going to be judging that trade because of what they had to give Boston to get them out of Boston. Uh, they're really banking on that first-round pick next year. Uh, Harrington and Kapanen uh, coming in are going to be good fill-ins for now. Kapanen's, you know, he's got the uh, he's got the genes of a uh, of a great player because his dad was a great player in this league a few years ago. So. Uh, even them, I think they they realize that they didn't get fair value for for Phil. But at the end of the day, uh, they had to move on. They had to move them. They try to get as much as possible. Uh, I just didn't see them why would they would try to bring him somewhere else. Uh, obviously, Phil had the last say. He wanted to go to a, a team where he's going to feel comfortable. They might regret it at the end of the day, uh, playing with uh, Crosby and uh, and Malkin. But what I always say is a zebra doesn't change his stripes. We'll see if he brings that attitude to Pittsburgh playing with those two stars and uh, see if he shows up more than 60 games a year because that's pretty much all he did here. And he still came out with 35 to 40 goals. Yeah, and then I guess the other, the other part of this is I, it, this trade seems to have Mike Babcock written all over it. It just I have the sense that Mike Babcock made an assessment and Phil Kessel's my, not my type of player. Um, he's not. He's not the kind of guy I can build a team around. They've uh, they've tried to put some moves in place. Uh, they obviously know that they're nothing's going to happen next year. They're not going to. You know, if they make the playoffs, that would be a minor miracle. They're they're basically stripping the team down and rebuilding it, and that's part of that plan. So, you know, if that's part of that plan, I'll give them credit. I'll give Shanahan and Dubas and Hunter credit for sticking to their plan. They freed up seven million dollars in salary. Uh, Perhaps next year, with Stamkos on the market next year, maybe that $7 million will be put to good use. Um, but, uh, you know, you made the point quite a few times, uh, Lou, in our discussions that, you know, your best players have to be your hardest working players. And the assessment that was made here is Phil Kessel might have been their best player, but nobody, nobody seemed to be making the argument that he was their hardest working player. And ultimately, that that perhaps was uh, was the ticket out of town for him. Well, you've, you've got to look at Phil Kessel's body structure for one. Uh, you know, he doesn't come to cross as a guy that uh, spends much time in the gym. Great talent, 
But does he want to go that extra that extra mile to be a superior talent, somebody that's going to stand out like a Crosby or a Malkin uh, or a Taze or a Patrick Kane? And maybe, you know what, you, you can blame maybe the Leafs organization a little bit here because here's a guy when they made that trade from the Boston Bruins, they've always said that they wanted to put a supporting cast around him, just like they did with Matt Sandin. They never have. Matt was looking for a left winger. They never really had a left winger to put with him to take a little bit of the load off of him. Phil Kessel is going to fit in great if he brings the right attitude with Pittsburgh because he doesn't have to be the main guy. Here in Toronto, they knew that if they stopped Phil Kessel, there was a good chance that the Leafs weren't going to score many goals. So why not put a good supporting cast around him Maybe another superstar or another right winger that's going to take a little bit or a lot of the load off of his back, knowing that he doesn't have to pay, play at full bore every single game. Anyways, words of wisdom from Lou Franceschetti, my co-host this morning. Of course, Lou, you'll recognize him as a former Toronto Maple Leaf and uh, spent, some, uh, some, spent some really good seasons with the Washington Capitals. And coming up uh, right after the break, uh, we'll be talking to Hall of Famer and legend, one of the great greats of the game, Dennis Pot fan. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> pound three six three six. No. Pound three six three six. No. Come on, baby. Pound three six three six. Ooh, ooh. Come on, baby. Pound three six three six. Let's <laughs> go ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North Deck Systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. 
Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Discover Villanova College. York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon, in studio with me this week, subbing for Naz Marchese. My co-host is Lou Franceschetti. Always a pleasure to have you here, Lou. And... Uh, talking about the Leafs and Phil Kessel and uh, any other moves the Leafs need to make. There are a couple of other guys that uh, uh, are discussed as maybe having their uh, exit visas out of town, perhaps in the near future, Joffrey Lupul and uh, Tyler Bozak. It seems the Dion Phaneuf uh, discussion seemed to have settled down. seems perhaps Dion Phaneuf fits into uh, Babcock's framework for this team. Well, I think he probably does uh – because Babcock tried to get him in Detroit at the trade deadline. So they need probably that, that stalwart that's going to load up with 20 to 25 minutes a game back on the on their rear end. Uh, the one guy that's come in conversation over the last uh, few weeks is uh, JVR. Uh, we don't know if he was part of the attitude problem with uh, with Phil Kessel. I know they're really trying to deal Bozak and, and Lupo right now, but when you don't have any buyers, they're not going to give him away for for nothing. So. Lou, I'm, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Please, please forgive me. Uh, we've, we've managed to we've managed to connect, and please don't take this the wrong way, Lou. We've managed to connect with somebody a little bit more important than you, uh, Dennis Potvin, of course, a Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, 1991 induction to the Hockey Hall of Fame, three-time Norris Trophy winner, first NHL defenseman to reach 1,000 points, and certainly in my book, in Lou Franceschetti's book, or in anybody's book, one of the greats ever in the game of hockey. Dennis Potvan, thanks so much for joining us this Sunday morning. Hey, Lou, make him take those words back. <laughs> Why? You <laughs> ruined it for me. NHL is important. Yeah. Hey, you ruined it for me back in 85 there, Denny. <laughs> Anyways, Dennis, thanks so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, and of my course, pleasure. You're, uh, you're now doing some work with the Florida Panthers color commentating down in Florida. And uh, you're still active with the game, and uh, but I want to go back. I want to go back into uh, into memory lane a little bit, Dennis. Mm-hmm. My first memories of you were playing in those god awful Ottawa '67 uniforms in the early '70s. <laughs> they, they 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 remember the original black, the red, and white oh, horizontal sure. stripes uh, <laughs> at Maple Leaf Gardens on a Sunday afternoon, playing against the likes of. Uh, Billy Harris and Steve Shutt and some of those guys. Yeah. Steve Durbano. Durbano and some of those guys. So that's that's my first recollection of you, Dennis. And you were you started in the O, if I'm not mistaken. Please correct me. I had this argument with Lou this morning. I thought it was at the age of 15, but Lou tells me it was the age of 14. 
It was 14, yeah. I played my first games in the uh, in uh, junior. I didn't go to the training camp, the very first training camp in 1967. But then come uh, February, March of uh, 68 is when uh, Bill Long asked my brother, Jean, who was a couple of years, a few years older than I am, and was on the Ottawa 67s, if I would come along and uh, played my first game against the Niagara Falls Flyers. Yeah, I was 14. And... Uh... What was it like playing in the O at the age of 14? Did, uh, you know, we're, uh, th- that must have been pretty tough on a 14-year-old. You know, I, I, I never thought about it that way. I don't think anybody does. I think you're real nervous, uh, you know, and again, uh, it, it's a great challenge. I mean, I was playing Bantam hockey and some midget hockey, and, and then, of course, I was brought up to the, uh, the Junior A team in Ottawa. And, you know, there's a lot of things that worked in my favor. I mean, first of all, my, my older brother was on the team, and my dad had said, Dennis, you're not going on the ice unless your older brother, Jean, is on the ice with you. And then he told my brother, Jean, he said, if anybody does anything to Dennis, you go and beat the heck out of him. <laughs> so I had a little protection for right early. And then, of course, it was an expansion team. Uh, the 67s were the first year in the OHL. So there wasn't a lot of talent to go around. So. There were a couple of things that worked in my favor for me to be able to start at 14. Now, you were, I've, I've read some of the, uh, uh, some of your quotes, and, and back in, uh, some of our listeners, younger listeners may not realize, back in the early 70s, they had something called the Universal Draft, yeah. and, and you couldn't play, you weren't drafted till the age of 20. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't enter the NHL at the age of 18, you entered the NHL at the age of 20. And you've always, you've always if the quotes are correct, you've always said that was a good thing for you. Yes, absolutely. I still, I still feel that way. I mean, listen, we're going to see Connor McDavid and Eichel, and you know, I watched Eggblad play last year at 18 years old. He turned 19, I think it was February or March. I've always been against young players coming in the game at 18 years old because I've always felt that the odds are really against them uh, to be successful. Now we could name quite a few, and I think a lot of what has changed is the training methods the size, the preparation, both on and off the ice, that these 18-year-olds have, they didn't have even 10 years ago. And so maybe at some point I'll change my mind. But, you know, I I came in at 20. I thought I was physically and emotionally more mature and more ready to play in the NHL, knowing that the strength of the players in the NHL is a big difference. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I probably played the most years in junior hockey of anybody. I think I played five and a half years of junior but in the end, I felt quite comfortable that I was more ready at 20 than I would have been at 18. Uh, we're, of course, talking to legendary Hall of Famer Dennis Potvin. Uh, Dennis, uh, you've been described, uh, adjectives uh, next to you include cerebral, articulate, and, of course, the other one in the hockey world is mean. Uh, I, I've always thought of you as one of the most intelligent players ever to play in the NHL. Uh, I was talking to uh, Lou uh, prior to the show, and he, he was focusing more on the mean. You, you were a tough guy in the NHL, and uh, um, but you were—I don't remember you as being a dirty hockey player. As, as the game changed in any way, you were—you were really, really tough out there. Well, listen, Lou was there at a time when you really had to defend your space, you know, and um, and you know, the first couple of years I played, I. You know, I had a lot of fights in the early years, and Al Arbor once told me, he said, look, he said, why don't you get smart? You know, if you realize that most of the times you're being challenged is in the third period when we're ahead by a goal. And, you know, it became pretty obvious that, 
you know, I didn't really want to be the guy that was going to go out and fight every shift. And we had those guys, you know, throughout the league. And plus we had some of those guys on our team. So the role became pretty much, you know, defending your territory. And one thing I've always enjoyed about the game of hockey was that I figured I had that 20 by 85 figured out pretty well. And my angles were pretty good. And I could hit somebody at open ice, some of the hits that you just don't see in today's game because they call it a penalty. But uh, I was, uh, there's no question that I enjoyed the part of the game that was physical. And, uh, you know, like most everybody else uh, in that era, you really had to defend your territory. And, and that's what I thought I was doing. Denny, I know we've had a few battles over the years. I think it's almost six or seven years that we've played against each other. There. Yeah, that's right. Right, head to head, and uh, really, I think you're the only. You guys were the only guys that was really st- stepped in between us from setting our goals uh, with the caps. Yeah. Uh, when did you uh, When did you realize that your team was on the verge of being a dynasty? And uh, are you going to miss Long Island? Yeah. Well, those are two very good questions, Lou. Uh, first of all, you remember that I, I was broadcasting for the Florida Panthers when uh, Brian Murray was the GM. <laughs> and then Terry Murray was coach, so I kept hearing about those playoff series, and uh, and and uh, you know time and time again. And Brian Murray said the same thing: if it wasn't for the Islanders, we probably would have won the cup one or two of those years anyway during the eighties. And uh, of course, you know history uh, shows otherwise. But um, we 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 kind of I, I must tell you, I, I think uh, Lou, you, you know from experience, sometimes you've got to get hurt real bad to be able to open your eyes and listen and learn something. And we had two very tough series. In 1978, lost to Toronto. and 1979, lost to the Rangers. And then in 1980, we had to battle the Boston Bruins. We had to play some very, very good teams and finally beat the Flyers in the finals. And remember that year, the Flyers had gone 35 games unbeaten. And that's still an NHL record. Obviously, now, but um, so we had accomplished quite a bit. I think after that first cup, we started feeling like we had the makings of a team that could do it again. We're, of course, talking to uh, Dennis Potvin, New York Islander legend. Uh, do you want to follow up on that one, Lou? Uh, I, I was just more or less. What about the, uh, the, the Long Island with them uh, moving to, um, to Brooklyn now? You know, it's a little bit of a mixed feeling I have about it because uh, – you know, I, I know Brooklyn is still sort of part of Long Island, but it really is its own city. So in my estimation, they're leaving Long Island. But, you know, with John Tavares and uh, with the team winning, I think, you know, the, the New York Islanders have said that they were going to keep the banners, they were going to keep the history, keep the logo, keep the name, Long Island Islanders. Uh, I suspect that, uh, you know, it's going to be a decent transition. They They just have to win to make it easy, you know, the, the the transition. And then again, I mean, you know, they're like eight miles as a crow flies from Madison Square Garden. It could become an intense rivalry again, you know, something we've seen a little bit of in the last several years. So I think it'll all work good. I understand the business side of it, but, you know, listen, uh, Fort Never Lose and Uniondale was pretty special for us. Well, it's, it's certainly going to be uh, an incredible rivalry. And Dennis, of course, as you're aware, they still chant your name quite a bit at yeah. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but I, I think you, buddy, you got to listen very carefully. They're now yelling "Pot Fans Cups." 
<laughs> Wonderful. Only have four fingers. <laughs> good, 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 uh, good response. That's great. We're talking Dennis Potvin, of course. Dennis, I have to ask you: the Islander team that you played on is uh, was a dynasty. There's no question about it, and it had some had some great players. But what what was the key to that team? What made you guys so great? You know, I'll give you a very quick answer. I don't know of anybody in the NHL today or in the past that can say they had the same coach for 13 years. I came in in 1973, and I had Al Arbor coach me for the next 13 years. And sure, you know, you talk about battles on the ice and stuff like that. You can have battles with your coach a lot, and we did. But we respected Al, and Al's not doing very well right now. He's he's in a uh, residence in Longbow Key, and his health is very uh, failing um, and we uh, stay in contact with he and his wife, Claire, as do many of the uh, Islander alumni, guys that played on our team and then guys beyond. Um, he was a tremendously respected uh, coach. And like I said, it wasn't always fun to, to practice or to have to play for him because he was tough. He demanded a lot from us. But, uh, but if I had to pick one key, I'd say, you know, Al Arbor was constant. He was consistent. He was there for a long time. And he was really the leader of our organization. Uh, Dennis, just a few more minutes. I have to ask you, the game has changed since the 70s in yeah. so many different ways. And well, I'll uh, tell you right away, there's one way that I don't like, I think they could improve upon. You know, when, uh, when, when we played the game, I mean, if Lou's carrying the puck up center ice, he's coming right at me. It's a one-on-one challenge. If he gets by me, he goes right to the net. Today, guys don't even challenge defensively. They dump it in the corner and they cycle. I mean, it just drives me crazy. And I think that you know, when your plan in the offensive zone is to go to the corner with the puck, there's something wrong with that. And we're seeing a lot fewer goals because there are a lot fewer attempts on goal than there used to be in our day when as soon as you got over that blue line, you were headed to the net. I do think that a great mistake in the game today is that they've minimized the neutral zone. Seventy percent of the speed in the game is between the blue lines, and they've made it 54 feet instead of 60 feet. If you increase the size of the neutral zone like it used to be, go back to that 60-foot, I think you're going to get a much faster game and a game where guys are going to be, with top speed, able to try and attempt to score on the rush. There won't be all of this cycling and working behind the net that has become very monotonous. Uh, so that, to me, is the biggest change in the game. And, and that sort of leads into a, a very, very related question I have to that, uh, Dennis. Would uh, And one of the most gifted natural goal scorers in the history of the game you played with, Mike yeah. Bossy or Michelle Bossy. Mike Bossy. Yeah, Mike, Mike Bossy. Yeah. Uh, would he be able to play his game in today's NHL? Well, you know, he, he probably was too small to be the guy to stand in front of the net. Yeah. But that's where he was all the time. But like I said, you know, it was it was a, it was really a play when Bossy and Trache and Gillies or Bob Board or John Tinelli, they always sort of switched the left wing, but they never they never Al never touched uh, the combo of uh, Bossy and Trache very much. I mean, the idea was that Trache was going to be the big guy to go to the corner and get the puck, either that or Clark Gillies. Clark would go to the front of the net, and then Bossy would play the rover. He'd kind of go from dot to dot always with the stick on the ice, waiting for the pass. And I say stick on the ice because he always had a great target. That stick was never, never off the ice. And, you know, whether the puck came to Gillies, Trache, or myself, uh, we could find Boss in one of those two areas, dot to dot, and usually on the move. 
I mean, it was a great line, I think, because the three of them really complemented one another. But uh, and then when he had the puck, I still don't think there was as pure a shooter as what Boss did during those years. Um, I was talking to Lou before the show. He tells me you guys were both in that in that six overtime game, the Islanders and Washington. Four overtimes or six overtimes? Four overtimes. Four, four. four overtimes. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I, I found out for the first time this morning, and you have to jog your memory there, uh, Dennis. Lou tells me he had a breakaway with twenty seconds, uh, twenty seconds before the eventual goal was scored. Any any recollections of that? I had the breakaway. No, no, no Lou. I, I had twenty seconds left in the third overtime period when Thomas Johnson took my feet out from under me. <laughs> Oh, Lou, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. I bet so you Keller Rudy was happy, too, too that he'd have to face me on the, slot, on the penalty shot. And then, and then he, he got the penalty shot, though. No, no. no, I, no in this they, game, I would have been a penalty shot. Well, they probably uh, saved them the embarrassment of missing it. Anyways. Uh, uh, well, you know, we, we hear a lot of stories like that, Lou. No offense, <laughs> brother, but uh, the Flyers complained that we were offside on a goal in 1980. And I you know, hear you. Hey, listen, tell me, tell me this. What were you thinking when you when you hit uh, Ben Gustafson at center ice there in 1985? Well, I, 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 don't, I didn't have to think very much. Ben Gustafson's coming through the neutral zone with his head down, and he went to my right. And usually I would only hit people from my left side with the hip. But then I just sort of stepped into him with a, uh, you know, it was a full body hit, but we, we kind of went leg to leg. And um, then I, I remember coming out for the second period. I, it might have been you or uh, it may have been, it's probably somebody, maybe Hatcher. Well, you know how we skate around just before the period starts? Yep. Well, somebody came up to me and I said, Dennis, you broke his leg. And I thought, what? This is weird. And it turned out to be a pretty physical game, if you remember. Everybody was coming after me that night. You know, it was me, and I think it was one of the guys that went after you, too. For whatever reason, I wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> Anyways, well, uh, listen, it was a hit, and, uh, you know, I often have to explain what happened with Ulf uh, Nielsen in uh, in New York. You know, my my game was, was a physical game, and I tried to hit guys at center ice, and uh, that was one of those hits that you know, turned out to be unfortunate for that. Anyways, uh, Dennis Potvin, I've got one uh, one last quick question for you, Dennis, and we thank yeah. you so much for coming on the air. Uh, we've got patiently holding on the air. Uh, our next interview is Michael Del Cole. Michael Del Cole is going to be attending the New York Islanders prospects camp this week, and he was wow. the f- he was the fifth uh, he was the uh, first uh, draft choice of the Islanders last year. And uh, he's starting off on his career with the New York Islanders, and of course, you're the one of the greats of all time mm. with the New York Islanders. One piece of advice you would give him as he's starting in his career, and he's on the air listening. Okay. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I think that uh, when you have leadership on a hockey team, uh, it's rare that it's as great as what Chicago has, or I think what the New York Islanders have. If you ever in doubt of what it takes to be a pro, just follow John Tavares around at practice, off the ice, in the training room, and you're going to learn a lot every day. I've got a lot of respect for that young man who's now established as one of the NHL's elite players, John Tavares. Anyways, Dennis Potfan, thanks for uh, giving uh, Michael some advice, and thank you so much for joining us on Sunday morning. It's certainly a pleasure and a privilege for us to talk to, to you, and uh, you're, uh, you're one of the greats of the game, without, without question, without doubt, and it's a privilege for us to have talked to you. Well, listen, it was my pleasure on this fine Sunday morning, and Lou, you take care of yourself. We'll see you around. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon there, Denny. 
Okay, Lou, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Thanks so much. That, of course, was Denny Potvin, legendary Islander great and uh, still doing, uh, still involved in hockey with the Florida Panthers down as their color commentator. And uh, you certainly have some great memories of some, uh, some games that you played with the Caps against the Islanders, Lou, and I could see the twinkle in your eye when we're... Uh, you were talking about some of these memories. Well, you, you got to remember that uh, back in '82, when I first got called up in the minor, it was more or less it was it was my make it or break it, and uh, I knew I had to come and play hard against the Islanders to survive uh, the, the following year at training camp. Uh, this happened for three years in a row, and then I finally got my start back in '85, uh, '86 on a full time basis, and it just seems like they were always in our backyard. Uh, this is the team that we planned right from the start of the year that we had to beat uh, to go to the Stanley Cup Finals or even move on into the second and third round. And it just seemed for whatever reason that uh, if it was one thing or another, uh, even the game that seven period overtime, I think it was Brian Trotty took a cross ice pass out of the air and went down and put an easy backhand, which Bob Mason says he something happened with his uh, with his skate. So it was just one of those things that they're very fond memories. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, to play against them. We knew that every time we walked onto the island and even when we played them in our building, uh, they were going to be battles. They were going to be hard-fought battles. They were going to be clean battles. And at the end of the day, we could all smile and say, listen, guys, great game. Uh, And you can't say enough on the players that they had. Your Bobby Nystrom, Denny Potvin, uh, Gillies, Mike Bossy, uh, Brian Trotje, all those guys, they knew their roles and, and they filled them out right to to the best they possibly can, and we just couldn't find an answer for them. Anyways, we've got uh, we've got Michael Del Cole, Michael Del Cole, New York Islander draft pick, their first overall pick last year, and just coming off an incredible uh, memory, uh, create some great memories for Michael Del Cole and the Oshawa Generals uh, winning the Memorial Cup uh, in Quebec City. Michael, good morning. How are you? Very good. How are you? Fantastic! I hope you're listening to those words of wisdom from uh, from one of the greats, Denny Podvan. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really surprising what he said. I mean, after my uh, my first camp there last year, you could see uh, you know the amount of respect guys on the island have for uh, you know JT. So he kind of you know he's the king of that franchise, and uh, you know definitely going to follow that guy for sure. Anyways, Michael, you've just come off an incredible Memorial Cup uh, performance. Uh, any parting thoughts on 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 uh, what it felt like to win the Memorial Cup? Yeah, it was awesome. It's kind of still I, I still really can't believe it. Um, kind of flew by those days in Quebec, even though uh, you know we had four days off in between the semis. It, it really went by quick, and uh, you know it was awesome. It was uh, that was our goal from the beginning of the year, and. Uh, you know, that, that 2-1 game in the finals there um, really could have went either way. Kelowna was a great team, but you know, I really think uh, you know, our goalie held us in it at, at some points, and then, uh, you know, we got the bounce at the end, so it was awesome. So uh, you've got, uh, you're off to uh, New York this week, I believe, uh, to attend the New York Islanders Prospects Camp. Uh, tell me all about that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be my, uh, my second time. Obviously, last year was my first year, and um, pretty much all the drafted guys uh, are free agents from college. Guys like that just go down, uh, go down to New York, and uh, just kind of get a feel for what um, you know the main camp will be like. Uh, get to see the facilities, and then uh, you know play a couple scrimmages. So you know it's always good. And, uh, definitely looking forward to it. And what is what does the rest of the summer hold uh, hold for Michael Dal Cole? Uh, what uh, what are you doing to prepare for the regular camp? Pretty much just uh, you know train. Um, you know more off ice. Obviously, I know. 
for me, I got to get stronger physically. So that's the biggest emphasis for me right now. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be in the gym a lot. So that's the biggest thing. Uh, I've got to ask you, um, the, uh, you're in the preparation phase of becoming a professional hockey player. And I'm just curious as to what formal, uh, what formal programs does an NHL team have or an NHL or the NHL itself? Do they, do you have, do they go through educational, uh, uh, programs with, with you young athletes? Do they teach you about some of the, some of the things to stay away from? Is there a formal Islander program or a formal NHL program where they call in young young prospective pros by you and teach you the ropes a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think, yeah, um, I think it depends on, on player to player, but, um, you know, your agent would also help you with things like that, um, you know, setting up programs for you to do. I know on the island uh, last year um, when we got to main camp, they, were, they called in all the young guys and uh, showed us kind of like the drug policies and all that stuff, uh, you know, what we can and can't do. So, that's a pretty major emphasis. They, most teams also have uh, player development guys, so um, they'll keep in contact with you throughout the year and check in with you, um, probably visit you a couple times. So all, all teams are different and it really varies um, from player to player, but I know in New York, um, you know, they keep in contact with me quite a bit, so it's good. Lou? Michael, good morning. Good morning. And uh, congrats. Thank you very much. Great, uh, great Memorial Cup. Uh, it's too bad you didn't come over here in Toronto because you know you have to fill that Italian uh, brotherhood and backing that uh, we we truly need a big Italian star here in the here in the city. Uh, everything uh, set aside here. Um, do you remember when you were fourteen playing with the Vaughn Kings? Yeah. Uh, I was the assistant coach with the Toronto Red Wings back then with Cosmo Nardoni as a head coach and. We try to recruit you and uh, and your parents to come up and play a year ahead of you, but I guess mom was too scared that um, you might have gotten hurt against us big boys at the age of 15. Do you ever think back to that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that because I used to play up, uh, you know, when I was younger, and then at, at Peewee, I just I went down and kind of set my mind to just playing my own age, so... Um, that, was, that was a while ago. Yes, it was a while ago. You're not me. You're making me really feel old. <laughs> hey, how's it going to feel when you go to camp this year? Let alone this uh, orientation camp that everybody has now. That you might be the, or you probably will be, uh, John Tavares' uh, left winger uh, for the next probably ten, fifteen years. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I hope so. That's the goal. Uh, you know, being able to play alongside, uh, you know, a player like that. In my opinion, uh, you know, a top three center. Yeah. Uh, know in the world so um getting drafted there i always i was always in the back of my mind uh, i kind of set a goal that obviously i'd like to play alongside him but um i know there's a lot more a lot more work to be put in. um he's, he's a great player and uh you know i'm gonna have to you know work work off him and uh you know that's the goal so hopefully I have a good camp and uh you know, can make that happen uh, as soon as possible where are you working out these days to keep your or to get your body in shape we know how uh how teams have probably given you a, a book of about 20 or 30 pages that you have to follow with nutrition, certain uh, workout regimens, and uh, all the little things it takes uh, to be a professional or an elite professional athlete? Well, me, I have, um, I, I've had the same personal trainer for I think like seven years now um, with Dan Noble, and it's just uh, it's in Vaughn, so I've been with him for seven years, and you know he definitely he's great for me. Um, he knows my body, and uh, you know in terms of recovery and stuff like that. So 
hasn't changed and uh you know it's definitely working for me with that guy he doesn't work out at any time fitness with your dad does he no. <laughs> no. Anyways, we've been talking to Michael Del Cole. Michael Del Cole is on his way to the New York Islanders Prospects Camp and is on his way to the New York Islanders training camp in uh in uh, September, I guess. And uh we certainly will be keeping an eye on you, Michael. We wish you all the best and we certainly hope that this is the year that you take your place on uh on John Tavares's wing. We would we would love to see that. In any event, uh, wherever your professional career takes you, this is the beginning of it. We wish you all the best, and uh, we'd love to have you back at any time. Thanks so much for taking the time for us. Thanks a lot. appreciate it. All the best, and uh, all the best of luck. Good luck, Michael. Good luck. Thank you very much. That, of course, was Michael Del Cole. And uh, your thoughts on where, where are Michael's strengths as a hockey player? Uh, Lou, you've been watching him since he was, since he was younger. You've been watching him in juniors, and... Uh, What's Michael's strength as a hockey player? He's a goal scorer. And I think that's the one thing that the Islanders are going to need to take a little bit of uh, heat off of John Tavares. And, you know, he might not be his uh, left winger, uh, but he did not know if he's on, this, on his top six forward line uh, with, with another centerman. He's going to take a lot of the load off of uh, John's back. Uh, I like his size. I like his skating. Uh, and it comes with everything. At this age, kids have to get stronger, and, they, and their discipline uh, on and off the ice is going to be a key factor in how far he goes and how far he survives in this business. Fair enough. We certainly wish him the best of luck. We're just about to go to break. Before we go to break, the Nazanwali Sports Hour is, uh, always supports uh, great causes, and uh, one of the causes that we've always supported is the Foundation Fighting Blindness. There are millions of Canadians who suffer from vision problems and vision impairment, and certainly in a, an aging population, it's only going to become more of an issue. So we certainly encourage you to check out the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Please support them, www.f, as in Frank, ffb.ca. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North deck systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. 
Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money, too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm Walter Rigabon, and with me this morning, subbing in for Naz Marchese, is Lou Franceschetti. How are you, Lou? Real good, Wally. It's early on a Sunday morning, but it's, it's nice to get out of bed. <laughs> it's great. great to have you in. Listen, we've been trying to get a hold of Sean Clement. Uh, uh, Sean, are you there? Sean. No, can't, uh, we're having problems getting a hold of Sean Clement. We'd like to talk to him about a tremendous achievement of his. But uh, let's go back to our favorite topic, the Leafs. We were talking about Phaneuf, Lupul, and Bozak just before, uh, uh, just before we had uh, Dennis Potvin and Michael Dalcole. Uh, any of these guys headed out of town, Lou? I, I think most of them are. I'm not sure. They're not going to give them away. Uh, they're going to want fair value in return. Uh, they're probably going to see as, a, as the season starts uh, whether they've come into camp in, in the right uh, frame of mind, if they're willing to work and uh, do all the due diligence that uh, that they didn't do over the last uh, eight months. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a market out there right now for for Bozak or Lupul, only because they're carrying big uh, contracts. And uh, Bozak um, not going to have Phil Kessel on his wing this year. Uh, is that uh, going to impact his game severely? You know what? It, it, it's just the thing that it, it happened that uh, they worked well together. Tyler Bolksak is not a, a top six forward. He's he's a good third line centerman. Uh, he's put up big numbers because having JVR and, uh, and Phil Kessel 
on on both wings. Uh, I just don't think that uh, if if in a perfect world. Tyler Bozak would be a uh, first or second line uh, centerman on this team or on any team. I tend to agree with you there, Lou. I want to change topics just a little bit here. Uh, the NHL came out with their Hall of Fame selections this week, and certainly it's very difficult to argue with some of the guys. I mean, Nick Lidstrom, obviously, no question. Uh, Chris Pronger, no question. Phil Housley, I know you and I debated that a little bit prior to the show. Um, had outstanding numbers, one of the first great American defensemen. Uh, I, I, you can make the case, no question. Um, you certainly don't have a problem with it, and uh, I, I'm good with it too. The one uh, noticeable, uh, glaring name that keeps getting missed and certainly draws controversy every time the topic comes up, Eric Lindros. And... Naz and I have debated this on the show. I'm, I'm a believer that Eric Lindros should be in the Hall of Fame for, for reasons. Uh, you have you have a different, different assessment. I just think that uh, uh, right now, I, eventually, Eric Lindros will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm not sure if his time is right now. Uh, the numbers might not speak for it, but he was the most dominating player in the world for about a three- or four-year period of time. He changed the evolution of the game big, strapping, strong centerman that can pretty well walk over anybody until Scott Stevens got a hold of him. So you can see uh, on why everybody's questioning on whether he should or shouldn't be in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. Uh, at the end of the day, only time will tell on whether he's going to get in uh, in the next couple of years. I think he should get in in the next couple of years because that's what the Hockey Hall of Fame is all about. It's, it's celebrating only you know what you've done. And what you've brought to the game, and uh, maybe right now there's a few guys that are a little bit ahead of them, right? uh, but there's also a lot of guys that that should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame that have scored 500 goals. So the statistics-wise, uh, it's not only that that gets you into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Something must have happened uh, during his tenure in the National Hockey League that they're holding him back until a few years down the road. Anyways, we'll certainly debate that topic somewhat. We've finally got Sean Clement on the line. Sean, wisdomandgolf.com, the Internet's most popular golf teacher and certainly a remarkable achievement uh, this week for you, Sean. Uh, tell our listeners all about it. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, they had a, an independent survey that uh, with uh, Google Analytics that went on the Internet to see which were the most sought-out teachers on the net and i came out at tied for ninth out of 600 guys and uh, beat out some pretty uh, some pretty big names so that was pretty cool that's pretty there's some pretty big names that uh, that come i mean essentially the only guys that are ahead of you have probably you know over over 60 70 out of 67 of those guys ahead of you have connections to tiger woods the you know so you well, got it, you, yeah. you got yourself up to number nine and that's uh that's yeah, without a, that, any help. One of the top golf instructors in the world, number nine uh, in terms of popularity. And I, 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 I've got to ascribe that or, or give credit to you, Sean, that that's something about your, your media strategy, your Internet strategy. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's, it's, it's not really that. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, the, it's the content. I, you know, I, I, I put out full lessons you know, there's no uh, there's no click here to get more and stuff like that. It's a full fledged lesson. I got 330 of those videos. I got about average 69,000 hits per video. People keep coming back because the stuff is good. You know, I've done my homework, so I don't have uh, I don't have marketing teams or things like that. It's just me. And uh, and if our and uh, unfortunately we got you a little bit late this morning, Sean. We had a little uh, 
lesson we wanted to talk to our listeners about. We'll have to save that yeah. for uh, for next week. But yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about where our listeners uh, can find uh, can find Sean Clement. Um, you go to wisdomandgolf.com, and uh, you'll see everything you need to see there. There's a YouTube tab right there. Just click on that. It'll take you to my homepage on YouTube. And uh, sign up for my newsletter. Like in the last, the last week on my newsletter, there's something I wanted to talk to you guys about today, was how to, how to hit shots with your eyes closed to really get the rest of the senses going. Because I actually, I've, I've given a lot of lessons to some blind people, and I would say about 10% of my students hit the ball better with their eyes closed. So we'll talk about that next week for sure. And because uh, it's, I got a, a neat little lesson for you guys. But in the meantime, you can have a look at that video. And on, on uh, you find all your great material on YouTube. And uh, for our listeners, just uh, just generally, why? How is Sean Clement different than everybody else? Well, you know, it's uh, the way we teach is not positional stuff. We don't we don't analyze your swing to death on video. I think vi- the video era that started in the '80s sent us back to the Stone Age. It's, it's way more field-based. I mean, our, our, our brains are gravity experts, and uh, what we do is, is we show you, you know, through analogies, how your, your body is just an amazing gravity expert. And with the right analogy, it gets you to the right feel, and then you take that feel and take it to the target. So we never go against the human body. We never go against how you're wired as a, as a human being on this planet, and, uh, and we go with what you have with whatever tool you have, you know, you got to, you got to understand how the tool works. And once you get a visual and a good sense and a good feel of what's going on, amazing things happen. And it happens very quickly, a lot faster than people think. And that's of course, uh, from the words, uh, from the mouth of Sean Clement, number nine on the world's most important golf instructors, according to swingman golf.com. A remarkable achievement, Sean. We, we certainly congratulate you for that, and we look, Thanks, forward, uh, look forward to talking to you next Sunday to uh, pick, up on, uh, pick up on that lesson we briefly talked about this morning. Have a great week. You got it. Yeah, you too, guys. I Thanks appreciate it. Of course, that was right. Sean Clement. Uh, how's your golf game these days, Lou? It's the same as it's been the last couple of years, very erratic. Uh, I can get to the green, but uh, my chipping is a little bit off, and right now I'm I'm having a tough time with my driver. It's spraying too far right sometimes. Yeah, you definitely maybe need to maybe maybe need to book a couple of lessons with Sean Clement. We got to turn you around. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're doing you're doing that, you're doing that charity golf circuit, uh, playing all those NHL alumni tournaments. We can't have uh, the representative from the Naz and Wally Sports Hour go out to these tournaments yeah, and, I got, embar- I've got and embarrass one. us. You know, I've, I've I mean, got a big one coming up right now with the Canadian Pro Am at the Canadian Open. So I'm looking forward so to that. So certainly, maybe we'll book you a couple of quick lessons with Sean Clement, Perfect. and we may be able to turn your game around. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> We've got one minute left on the uh, on the show, and uh, I, I promised uh, one of our loyal listeners that I'd do a little shout-out for him, the D-General. He's got a huge uh, uh, Ranger golf tournament coming up, celebrating the remarkable achievement of a, of, a, of a great ball hockey team, the Western Rangers. They have their annual – don't look at me like that, Lou. You played for an inferior ball hockey team. We'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> Uh, Western Rangers are having their annual golf tournament on uh, July 25th, and all ex-Rangers are invited 
to attend. We may even offer you an honorary uh, invitation, Lou, but I'll have to tech, I'll have to speak to the general. Anyways, I've been motioned by the producer to, to cut this off. Anyways, uh, our time has come short. Lou, it's always a pleasure having you with us. Thanks, Wally. Sharing your, uh, we really respect your opinions on, on all things hockey, and we really appreciate you coming in. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And to my co-host, Naz, uh, please come back next week. Looking forward to having you back so I can kick Lou out of here. And to all our listeners, Please have a fantastic week, and we'll be back here again next Sunday morning at 9. Thank you. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.